so many Christians feel frustrated and they don't see any victory in their lives or have the joy that the Lord wants them to have because they're not serving the way God wants them to serve. As Christians, we're called into ministry. The day that you and I say I do to Jesus, we become enrolled in His army. And our service needs to show that we're living for Jesus. Jesus didn't save us for us to sit here on Sunday morning and soak it in and then just go about our business the rest of the week. You find a ministry to get involved in and get busy serving like you're living for it. Get busy serving like you're living for Jesus. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Our title today is Living for Jesus. 1 Peter 4, we're going to read the entire chapter's 19 verses. So let's read there, 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Peter writes, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of, of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it is, begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Lord, speak through me, Lord, this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, through the power of your Spirit, give us the understanding that you would have us to hear from this passage. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 
You know, God's word tells us we're not supposed to judge one another. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he goes on in that passage in Matthew 7 to talk about why do you focus on the, the speck in your brother's eye when you've got the plank in your, in your own eye? Get the plank out of your eye first so that you can see clearly to see this speck in your brother's eye. So we're not supposed to judge. We can't see what's inside a person's heart. So we're not to judge the heart. But let's face it, there are times where a person's actions and their words reveal what's on the inside. We don't really have to wonder. You've heard the statement before, I'm sure, that we're not to be judges, but instead we're to be fruit inspectors. We're to inspect the fruit that people bear. In Luke 6, Jesus was talking and he said in verse 43 and following, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For from the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When a person truly accepts Jesus Christ as Lord, there's a transformation that takes place. Now, I'm not talking about walking the church aisle or someone coming down during BBS and giving it lip service. I'm talking about true Holy Spirit conviction that creates a transformation of the heart, a true salvation experience. When a person realizes their sinful condition and realizes that without Jesus, they're eternally lost. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this transformation. Paul talked about what happens in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And most all of us have known people who were not believers. You knew they weren't believers. You could tell by the way that they lived. They had no regard for the Lord. It was evident they weren't living for Jesus, is our title this morning. But we've known some of those people who have come to Christ during their lifetime, and that transformation that I'm talking about has taken place. No longer are they living for themselves, they're living for Jesus, and you can see it by the way that they're living. Paul wrote about this transformation that, that he underwent in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have a question for you this morning. Has that type of transformation occurred in your heart? Has that type of transformation, that type of change taken place in your life? Jesus shed his blood for you and for me. He gave his life. For you and for me. So that we could live eternally. So I've got another question for you. If you claim that Jesus is Lord. If you claim to have had that transformation in your heart. Are you bearing the fruit that shows the evidence. That you're living for Jesus. Can people tell that you're living for him? Peter writes in this passage. Uh, 1 Peter 4. This is a preacher's dream. This passage. At least this preacher's dream. Because. 
There are three points here, and they all begin with the same letter. I didn't have to do a whole lot of thinking on this. Peter just laid it right out there for me. But once we come to Jesus Christ, there are three things that I found in this passage that should bear evidence to the world that we're living for Him. The first thing that should bear evidence of us living for Jesus is our speech. Look at verse 11 there, the first half of verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. People should be able to notice that we're living for Jesus by the way that we talk, the conversations that we have, the things that come out of our minds. You know, we do a lot of talking. It's estimated that we spend a fifth of our lifetime talking. So if somebody lives 75 years, they're going to spend 15 years talking. Scientists have estimated that most men use 20,000 words a day. And most women use 30,000 a day. And that's all fine until you get home at night. And the man's used his 20,000 up, but the woman has got 10,000 left to use before bedtime. A fellow asked a co-worker, he said, do you ever resent the fact that your wife always gets the last word? He says, oh no, I'm glad when she finally gets there. <laughs> Our words can get us in trouble sometimes. There was a, a young man working in the grocery store in the produce section. And an older lady came up to him. She said, son, I want to buy a half a head of lettuce. He said, ma'am, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't sell lettuce that way. We buy, we, you buy the whole head. She said, son, you're not hearing me. I am here and I am going to buy a half a head of lettuce. She just insisted. He, he said, well, let me go talk to my manager. And he went over there and he said, sir, there's a crazy old lady over here and she's wanting to buy a half a head of lettuce and her face looks like a hatchet and I just she's just crazy and he turned around and he saw her standing right behind him so he had to think quick and he said and sir guess what this sweet old lady right here wants to buy the other half <laughs> and so they sold her the half of lettuce and the manager came back to him and said son you thought pretty quick on that well you're quick on your feet you're going to go places by the way where are you from he said I'm from Saginaw Michigan he said oh What's so special about Saginaw, Michigan? He said, well, they're known for good hockey teams and ugly women. And the store manager said, well, son, my wife's from Saginaw. He had to think quick again. Oh, sir, what team does she play for? <laughs> our words can get us in trouble. We use words and our speech should let people know that we're living for Jesus. And so your tongue can get you in trouble. Our words have a lot of power, both good and bad. The things that we say. Listen to Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Proverbs 18, there's two passages here from Proverbs 18, verses 6 through 8. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare for their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. And then verse 21 of that same chapter, Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I've got another question for you this morning. What type of language are you using? What comes out of your mouth? Does it indicate to people that you are living for Jesus? Is there filthy language that comes out of your mouth from time to time? Is there gossip that comes out of your mouth from time to time? 
I was riding uh, in a vehicle with a friend a few weeks ago, and there's a person in this town that I know is a very godly person, very active in their church. And this person called my friend as we were riding in the vehicle. I saw the name pop up on the screen. And he answered it on speakerphone. And y'all, the most filthy language came out of that person's mouth. Cuss words and gossip and running other people down. She didn't know I was in the vehicle. And I whispered to him, don't let her know I'm in here because I didn't want to embarrass her. But my heart sank as I heard her talking some of the filthiest things that I've ever heard. That's not the side of her that I know. Now, I'm not going to stand here and act like I'm innocent in this situation. I have had trouble at times in my life with saying bad things. Gossiping, cussing. And there were times in my life where that didn't bother me. But then the Lord got a hold of me. And I realized, you know, I need to be doing better. And I asked him to help. And I still mess up sometimes. I still say things that I regret. But that's the difference. Now, I regret them as soon as I say them. Used to, it didn't bother me. So I think if we're honest, we all have times there when we slip up and say something ugly. James chapter 3 is a chapter that talks about the the evil of the tongue. Listen to what James chapter 3 says. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man. And I don't think any of us can qualify under that category. If anyone is, is, is never at fault in that, what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And then he goes on in, in, in that those verses and talks about how we put a small bit in a horse's mouth and it turns the horse. We, we've got a small rudder on a ship and it'll turn that ship in the fiercest of winds. And he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt flow from the same spring? My brothers, can fig trees bear olives or grapevine figs bear, grapevines bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. How's your speech this morning? When people hear you talking, can they see that you're living for Jesus by what you say? And if not, if there's something wrong there, ask Jesus to help you. And he will begin that process of changing your heart and your mind and guiding your tongue. And you'll look back a year from now and realize, wow, he did do that. If we're living for Jesus, it should show in our speech. But the second thing I'd have you to see that Peter points out here, it should show in our service. Look at verse 10. 
Each one should, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And then skip down to the second half of verse 11. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Does your service show that you're living for Jesus? The service that you're doing for the Lord, does it bring honor and praise to Him? Or to you. Psalm 100 in verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. So many times we don't serve the Lord with gladness. We look at it as a burden sometimes. Romans 12 in verse 11 says, Never be lacking zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How's your service to the Lord? Not just within these walls, but outside these walls. Is there spiritual fervor in your life? Is there zeal and service? Many of you do serve the Lord outside these walls by going to Bible studies and making visits and writing cards and making phone calls. Not just on Sundays, but six days out of the week, seven days out of the week. Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. Yet so many Christians feel frustrated. And they don't see any victory in their lives or have the joy that the Lord wants them to have because they're not serving the way God wants them to serve. Adrian Rogers once said this, there are three types of Christians in the world. There are those Christians who make things happen. Christians who watch things happen. And then there's those Christians who don't have any idea what's going on. They don't know what's happening. Which one are you? As Christians, we're called into ministry. The day that you and I say I do to Jesus, we become enrolled in His army as a servant. And our service needs to show that we're living for Jesus. Jesus didn't save us for us to sit here on Sunday morning and soak it in and then just go about our business the rest of the week. 1 Corinthians 15 and the second half of verse 58 says, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you're not serving the Lord willingly and eagerly, He wants you to do more for Him. He wants you to serve Him willingly and eagerly. You go discover your spiritual gifts. And if you're saved, you've got at least one. You find a ministry to get involved in and get busy serving like you're living for it. Get busy serving like you're living for Jesus. The need is desperate. The hour is late. He's coming back again. Soon and very soon, the Bible says. And one day we're going to have to give an account of what we did for Him in our lives. God has called us each to serve Him and He's equipped us to serve Him. So we better get busy doing just that. 1 Samuel 12 and verse 24 says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. Remember I said earlier, He died for us. And the very least we can do is show him the world that we're living for Him by our service. I've talked about two things. The Lord should be glorified and, and people should be able to see that we're living for Jesus by our speech the way that we talk, 
They should be able to see that we're living for Jesus by our service, the way that we walk. And then the third and final thing that I want to show you this morning. People should be able to see that we're living for Jesus by the way that we suffer. Suffering, our suffering. Now look at verse 12 again there, starting in verse 12 of our text. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. In this life, we're going to be faced with all kinds of troubles. Sickness, war, hatred, crime. Turn on the news. There's suffering everywhere. And Jesus told us in John 16 that we, in this world, will have trouble, but He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. As a Christian living for Jesus, we're going to have persecutions. We're going to have suffering. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. But it's the way that we handle that suffering that makes the difference. It's the way that we handle that suffering that lets people know we're living for Jesus or not. All of us have known people who we know are living for Jesus and we admire the way they've gone through suffering and persecution and trials and sickness. It's evident in the way that they live. It should be evident in the way that we live. And there have been times of sorrow and pain in my life where I've thought as you have, and we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, how in the world do people that don't believe make it through those situations? How do non-Christians handle death and sickness? There have been times in my life where I had to lean on God and lean on my church family to get through those times. So without our church family, without the Lord, it would be difficult. And I don't know how people do it who don't believe. Psalm 34 and verse 18 and 19 is a wonderful promise. Listen to this. The, world, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. What a wonderful promise that is out of God's word. In James 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's how we endure those trials, how we endure that suffering that makes the difference. It shows people whether we're living for Jesus or not. In verse 16 of our passage, read it one more time. He says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So in closing this morning, I have to ask you, do you bear that name? Do you bear the name above all names, the name by which all men must be saved? Do you bear the name of Jesus Christ? Are you living for Him this morning? If not, you can start today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. You can ask Him to forgive you, come to Him by faith, confess your sins to Him, and start living for Jesus today. And maybe you find yourself that you, you've been a Christian a long time. And you realize maybe that by your speech, 
or your service or how you've dealt with suffering, people have not been able to see Christ in you. They've not been able to tell whether you're living for Jesus or not. And you realize that God's speaking to your heart saying, I need to make this right with Him today. You do that today. Jesus is ready and willing and able to do just that, to change you from the inside out. All you have to do is take Him by the hand and say, I do. Renew those vows to Him and let Him change you so that people can see that you're living for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, help us to all live for Jesus each and every day as we go outside these walls. Not just on Sundays, Lord, but the other six days of the week. Help people to see the change in us that is only through the salvation found in Jesus. Father, we praise you for that salvation. We, Father, we ask that if anybody here today or anybody listening online later will feel the tug on their heart that they'll surrender to Jesus today. Recommit their lives to you today so that others might see that they're living for him. It's in his name we ask it. Amen.